Lookout. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Home Recording Made Easy.com podcast. This is episode number eight. This week is a very special week. We are going to be discussing the music industry, life as a touring musician, and how to make money in your home studio with my good buddy and Nashville session drummer, Tim Buell. Now, Tim's been in the music business for a long time. He's done it all from traveling all over the world to working at home and offering services in his home studio. Tim's got a lot of great information. He's a great guy. And this is an episode where you definitely want to take some notes and listen up, especially if you're a home studio owner and you're looking to get started and make some money and growing your brand. So let's talk with Tim right here on the Home Recording Made Easy.com podcast. All right, well, welcome everybody to another episode of the Home Recording Made Easy podcast. This is episode eight, and this week is a special week because we have my good buddy, Tim Buell. Now, Tim's a drummer out of Nashville, Tennessee, and we're going to talk a little bit about his career, how we got into the music business, what he does for a living, and then also talk a little bit about how um, you have different revenue streams to kind of make a living in today's music industry, which we've talked about on prior podcasts. So, Tim, thanks so much for hanging out with me and taking some time because I know you're busy. Absolutely, man. Thanks for having me. Today, I was, I was gonna. The nice thing about working from home from the studio uh, is, as opposed to like the touring I used to do, is today I went for a walk with my wife this morning, and then I was like, man, I'm gonna clean the cars, I'm gonna sweep the garage, gonna like I was gonna. I usually like am working from six in the morning until five or whatever, and today I was like, you know what? I'm not. Other than this interview, I was like, I'm not gonna work today, which means I'll probably work sometime over the weekend, but. That, that's kind of nice to mix it up. That is. And that, you know, that's part of what we talk about a lot of a lot of my students, a lot of my followers. There's a very good percentage. I say about 20 percent of them email me all the time talking about, hey, I'm either about to retire or I'm about to leave my job or unfortunately, I just lost my job. And mm-hmm. I've been doing the music thing for X amount of years, whether it's, a, a, you know, whether it's a, a, a musician, whether it's a part time engineer, whether it's both. And they follow folks like you on YouTube. They follow folks like me and they want to get into this end of the business and they don't know how to start. And they want to talk about, well, how do, you know, how do we get into this? What do we do? How easy is it? How long does it take to actually make any money? I want to have that flexibility to be able to say, hey, it's Friday and I don't feel like doing a lot of work today. And so I know that is a huge topic and a lot of unpacking to do there. Um, And I want to ask you a little bit about that because I know you do like what I do. You work from home and you have your own gig and it's great. And it didn't happen overnight. I know that. So, but first I want to talk a little bit about how we met because um, in last week's episode on the podcast, the topic was investing in your craft. And it's something I talk about to my students all the time, which is you have to invest in yourself to get better at what you do, whether it's a musician playing an instrument like drums or guitar, or whether it's being an audio engineer and learning and taking courses and training yourself. And even if you are a teacher like you are and I am, um, doesn't mean that we don't continue to train and continue to learn and get better. And the way we had met was, and I mentioned this in some of my YouTube videos when we talked about my live streaming and my Ableton backing tracks was, and I told my audience before, that I actually wanted to learn Ableton Live. And so I knew nothing about Ableton Live and how to use it as far as a live performance was concerned. I'm a Pro Tools Studio One guy, but all the cats that play live and play the backing tracks play with Ableton. So I got on YouTube and did some searching and one of your videos came up. I forget which one it was, but I think it was the one where you uh, showed how to have a, a MIDI command to stop the playhead 
So between yeah. songs, you don't have to hit a space bar or hit a pad that the song stops. And I thought, never even, I never even would have thought of that. So yeah. that's a hell of a thing. And <laughs> Neither then, would I, right? by the way, if someone hadn't shown me. That was, be- that was beautiful. <laughs> I said, oh, yeah, I'm going to need to learn how to do that. So I looked in the description box of the YouTube video and you offered a course on Ableton Live. And I purchased that course and you taught me a ton. And I want to let everyone know that if you're into doing Ableton Live and running tracks in the show notes below, we'll leave the link to your course that I highly recommend you go check out his course. But his course was really detailed, very thorough, much like a lot of my courses. And uh, I thought it was really well put together. And I reached out to Tim and said, hey, I teach too, but I teach audio engineering you teach how to use Ableton Live and drum lessons and such. We should chat and just from one instructor to another. And that's how we kind of embarked on this friendship, if you will. Um, yeah, absolutely. And so that, and so it just goes to show, you know, you need to invest in yourself. So even if you are, you know, a seasoned musician or a seasoned instructor, instructor, it's always good to continue to try to get better at what you do because you never know what you're going to learn and who you're going to meet. And so I think that thought that was really interesting. And so, yeah, you're right. Absolutely. Like, uh, you know, I love that you're talking about the aspect of investing in yourself in that you always need to be learning. Mm. I think that a lot of people, you know, in Nashville, it's so interesting. Like I work with a lot of producers that are like, oh, man, my, you know, my the tracking I do is going to sound so much better because I'm going to get these preamps or the the X, Y, Z I'm going to do. Like, I just got this new vocal mic. It's going to be amazing. And it's like, well, that's one form of investing in your business and yourself, which I actually just did. We've actually talked back and forth. I finally placed my order and ordered like oh, your literally studio? the biggest studio nice. rehaul I've ever done. Bought awesome. A bunch of new preamps, bunch of stuff. <laughs> um, but. That's one form of investing in yourself that I think too many people focus on is like, oh, I got to buy the next thing to upgrade this thing and that'll sound better when really, you know, there's a lot of, you know, case in point, I have every track I've ever sent out to someone that I've recorded on, um, every podcast anyone's ever heard by me, every YouTube video I've ever filmed has been recorded on a 2009 MacBook Pro. There you go. Yep. With eight gigs of RAM. <clears throat> And a solid state drive inside that I swapped out myself. Mm-hmm. And I've had the same interface, the Focusrite Sapphire Pro 40, yep. for like 10 years. And I, I have piggybacked, I have a Sapphire Pro 24. And that has been, there are a lot of people that have better gear than me that don't get as good of drum sounds as me because they've put most of the focus on I need the gear, not how can I get better at striking a drum or tuning a drum or placing a mic? Right. Um, of course, there are a lot of people that have better preamps than me that get way better drum sounds than me too. <laughs> right. So, right. But the greatest preamp in, in front of a, a musician or an engineer that doesn't know how to use it properly is not nearly as good as someone that knows how to use the gear properly and may have a less expensive piece of equipment. And I talk Absolutely. a lot about, about that here. We talk a lot about with um, studio gear and plugins is, the, is always the topic on my channel is, yeah. you know, that, that magic plugin that's going to change the game. And it's, it only changes the game if you really know what you're doing. And so totally. um, like you, I kind of preach, use your stock plugins that came with Pro Tools or Cubase or Studio One or Logic or GarageBand or whatever you use and wait until you can get a great recording and a great mix with those. And then when you say, you know, I've taken this about as far as I can take it, and now I just want to go another 20%, well, that's when we can start looking at all those other different tools to maybe enhance what you've already learned how to do. But Absolutely. that in of itself, um, I tell people, don't buy another plugin 
if you don't know how to use a compressor, for example, stop buying plugins and go buy my course, Compression Made Easy, first. Spend that $20 or $30, whatever <laughs> I charge for it these days, and don't buy the $50 plugin because that plugin is useless to you if you don't understand how to use yeah. a compressor. Right. Yeah, and I stress so much that, you know, when you're if you're looking at music, whether it's the audio side or the player side or mm -hmm. whatever or both, I do a lot of both these days, but no matter what you're doing, I, I think not enough people are looking at the like, yeah, you can go on YouTube and anything that is in one of your courses you can find on YouTube. That's I, right. I couldn't do it in five minutes maybe, but I can mm -hmm. probably find everything you talk about. Same with my Ableton course. There's probably uh, spread out across YouTube, there are probably every single thing I talk about in that course. But I think what a lot of my friends do is, who are musicians who want to get into recording, who want to get into backing tracks, they look at, oh, it's a $100 course, so it's a $200 right. course, and they think, uh, you know, I you know, I can't, I can't afford that. Or more than likely, they're like, I'll go find it on YouTube, right. because it's out there. And it's, yes. But how much time right. are you going to waste right. surfing YouTube? Right. And that was me. The reason I made a course about Ableton is because I tried to learn it on YouTube, and it took me hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and hours to do it poorly right. and just kind of get up and running. And then I did that for a year and was just kind of like, you know, with chewing gum and duct tape, getting my track sessions to work through gigs and stuff. And then I had a friend of mine who I subbed for on a gig. He pulled up his Ableton and was like, let me break down how I have the session laid out. And I was like, whoa, what? <laughs> and it blew my mind because I was like, oh, that's so much easier than what I do. That's way better than what I do. Oh, my gosh, this is so much better than what I do. Right. And it was like, man, I wish that I had just upfront paid a hundred bucks, 200 bucks for this course, it pays for itself the first time you put it to use. And then after that, your life is way better. And you saved so much time. Right. Well, that's it. Time, right? So what is your hourly? What are you, what are you worth per hour? Right. Right. So you can spend 50 hours on YouTube looking for the stuff. What do you, you know, what are you really making an hour? What, what could you be saving in money if you were to just get the course from someone that knows what they're doing the first and time? That is, man, that is something that I've had the conversation with. So, cause I, like you, I get a lot of people that are maybe studying music in school and they're about to graduate from college or people that just moved to Nashville. They'll look me up and say like, you know, what should I charge for a session? Or I do a lot of transcribing too. So they'll say, oh, what should I charge for a transcription? And I, you know, that's going to be different for everyone because just like you said, what is your time worth? Right. And I think as musicians, it's interesting in Nashville, there's kind of like an accepted show pay mm -hmm. that it's like, oh, yeah, good artists pay this, you know, mid-level artists pay this. And then like, you know, the bar bands that are just out there, like Weekend Warrior doing it, like they pay this. Right. And it's like, who, who decided... What? <laughs> Where'd the numbers come from, right? <laughs> yeah, and the same with people that want to get into session work at home. Like, I have a lot of people that are like, well, what do you charge for a session? And I'm always like, well, like you think of it, because people think like, oh, man, you should get 200 bucks for a session. You should get 500 bucks for a session. You should get, and it's like, just break down what your time is worth. If you can, If you can send me a song and I can track drums on it in an hour, all we're talking about is an hour. Right. So just because someone in your, you know, a musician in your circle of influence says, oh, you need to charge X, Y, Z for your session. It's like, well, I work a coffee shop job and I make $10 an hour and this session wants to pay me $20 and I can probably do it in an hour. You're making double what you make at your coffee job by just knocking it out in an hour. So sure, most people might say $20 for a session. You're crazy. You're way undercharging. And certainly if you're doing enough sessions and you have spend all this gear, like, yep. 
but the price is going. The point is, the price is always going to be different for people. And I just meet so many musicians that are like, "Oh man, I got this awesome gig. It pays, it pays, you know, five hundred bucks." And I'm like, "Oh, where, where's the gig?" They're like, "It's L.A. We're gonna like, we're flying out there. We're out there for two days. Then we play the show, and then we're bussing back." And it's like, "Hold on." Yeah, that's a, that's a right uh, from Nashville to L.A. Right on a bus. Yeah, <laughs> right. right. I'm like, hold the phone <laughs> yeah. here. Right. Like, so you're spending like five five six days doing this one show like sure the show pay might be cool but like right. do the math about the surrounding stuff you know you could pay three shows in town in those same days and they could all pay you a hundred bucks mm-hmm. and you're making way more right for your time so it's it's really not like i just think so many musicians so many creatives don't really put a value on okay this is how much my hour is worth and then everything just gets so much clearer. And then you don't have to be bitter about because I meet a lot of musicians too that are like, ah oh, man, you know, I I worked I played this gig and they treated us poorly and it took so much time. And I'm like, well, like, you know, sometimes that like I mean everybody has those experiences, but sure. it's like, man, if you knew what your hourly rate was, you could have before agreeing, you could have said, Hey, you know, how many songs is it? Is there a rehearsal? Is there this? Is there this? Where's the show? And then you could say, oh, okay, I'm looking at the math, and with this many hours, there's just no way this makes sense for me to right. play for this amount of money. Right. And right. then you're able to respectfully say to whoever's asking you, hey, thank you so much. This is not the right fit for me just with you know the budget you have. So um, love to work something out in the future, but this one isn't right for me. And it just it gives you such a better filter for, you know, you being able to grow your business and operate your business without getting bitter or burnt out because you're able to just say, uh, no, I need X dollars per hour, so this isn't going to be that. Right. And then some of it's also uh, supply and demand, right? And then also your skill set and what you bring to the table, too. So that's part of the other part of the equation. Maybe as a musician, which we'll talk about in a minute, where like we talked last time when I was on your podcast, that when you're at a level playing sessions and playing on the road, someone at your level the 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 it's it's a given that you can play and we're not talking about yeah. someone who just sat behind the drum kit two weeks ago we can play there's going to be people that you're better than and there's going to be people that are better than you but you're good enough to fill the requirements of the playing ability that needs to be there right. um so but in 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 the engineering world and same thing in the engineering world where um, how much you should charge to mix a song which is the number one question that i get it has to do with well how in demand are you what yeah. kind of work can you turn out and what's the budget and how long is it going to take you to do and everything that you just said kind of determines and every, every project's going to be a little different. It's not going to be a set price every single time. It can be if you're that good, you know, and you're, you're, you're yeah. mixing, you know, five records a week. Well then, you, you know, you can almost charge whatever you want. If the phone doesn't start, stop ringing, you must, you must, yeah. you must be very good. But for most of us, that's not always the case. And so yeah. you have to be sensible, right? Yeah. So that all- I think it's really important in that. Um, and I'm, this is probably the thing I'm most guilty of when I transitioned from touring full time to doing, working from my studio and all that stuff. Like, you know, uh, at first I was just like hoping that I could find the work to do. <laughs> right. Can I do something? And now right. <laughs> several years later, right. I'm super busy right. and I have, I have to be really protective over, yes, I should do this thing and no, I should not do this thing or, um, you know, just having to be a little picky about starting projects because if I start projects, it means I can't start other things and all of that stuff. The the way that I try and balance myself because then it can sometimes just become a 
I'm working and I'm working and I'm working and I'm working and that's great and the money's there and it's all great. But then you start realizing, oh, wow, I'm, I got into music because I love music and right. I love being creative right. and I like working <laughs> with people. And at the end of the day, regardless of money... There are projects I've, I mean, the my favorite band that I ever toured with was the band that I made the least amount of money with. Right, but you had, right, but you had the most amount of fun, good, yeah, good and people so it's and not, good tunes and those al- things. Yeah, you always have to keep that balance of, at the end of the day, I am a creative. So yes, I want to make a business. I want to support my family. I want to do all that. I want to have job security, all this stuff. Yeah. But also, it's like you're saying, you can't just say, well, I charge this much per song and this is what I charge. Because sometimes someone calls you, like I'll have producer buddies of mine, they're like, dude, I have no budget at all, (laughs) but this artist, like the song is super cool and it's right up your alley because I know you like to play this stuff. Like, do you want to do it? I'm like, sure. Right. And then they'll like bring a six pack over to the session and we play and then we hang out after and it's like, okay, great. Right. And you help somebody out and, you know. They, yeah, and you look at sure that three hours that we spent hanging out making that song or whatever. Like, no, I could have made so much more if I had you know blah blah blah. blah. But <clears throat> I made songs that I, I was like, oh yeah, it was fun and it was cool. So like, it is a balance act, balancing act, and it's not just. Um, it can be easy for me, who's very much like make a to do list, show up to work at six and clock out at this time every right. day because <clears throat> I need that structure. And to-do lists are the way I do it and making sure that I have yeah. it because a lot of people that work from home might know or everybody as everybody's been working from home more like some people like it more than others. I personally love it, but I have to make sure that like I'm essentially air quotes clocking in at a certain yep. time working and then right. clocking out at a certain time. That's right. Otherwise, it all just like blends together and you're not getting as much done. And it gets confusing, but it's always important to keep that balance. Like at the end of the day, we're making music. And music should, when it's, you know, at its highest level, it should make us feel something. Yep. And sometimes there's not any amount of money in the world that makes me want to, you know, it, that that's not the only driving factor. Right. But it's hard to keep it in balance. Sure. And you said something, you you made a key point, which will make sure people didn't, um, didn't, didn't miss. You said years later, you're at the point now where... <laughs> You're making money and you have passive income and now you can maybe be a little bit more picky about what you want to do versus what do I need to do? I need to feed my wife, (laughs) you know, I need to put food on the table. But, you know, after a few years of being successful in business, you may have all that covered. And now it's like, okay, well, what do I want to do? Because I'm not desperate anymore. I don't need to make money. And we talk about that on the podcast. One of the another upcoming episode is called We Love Our Day Jobs. And there's a whole thing about day jobs and not just jumping into the deep end of the pool and building it up and taking time and all of that. But I want to talk to you. You said a little bit about touring. You mentioned some things I want to talk to you about. So first, I wanted to you know, t- tell us a little bit about when you started playing and when did you really get into the music industry? How did that really happen for you? I'm sure you started at a young age playing if you're instruments like most people that get to the level level that you're at but at what point did you um did you start getting into the music industry what made you want to do that for a living as opposed to just go get a job that pays a lot of money you know because yeah so um and fear not anyone who's listening who's like oh god the backstory i hate backstories mm-hmm. too especially if it's someone i don't know it could be, super it could be well, brief so. yeah it could be brief yeah so <clears throat> started playing when i was 10 so, taught myself for a while then got private lessons from an, an amazing his name's travis thompson I will forever be grateful for, you know, I think a lot of people, well, 
education is so important, even if it's for the 10-year-olds that are just starting and stuff. Like, without such a great drum teacher as my first teacher, I would not be doing music as a career. Um, so, you know, studied privately with a teacher, and then I got into high school, and I was like, man, I think I, I this seems like the only thing I want to do with my life. Right. So that's when I went to Belmont University in Nashville. I moved, I graduated high school, went to Belmont, did a four-year program, got a degree in commercial drum drum set performance with an emphasis in like commercial music. I don't know what, wow. I don't even know what my degree that's was. That's a degree? Essentially, <laughs> that was a degree, huh? Yeah, so the reason I picked Belmont, <laughs> and for anyone that's thinking about should I maybe go to college for music or whatever, the reason I picked Belmont was twofold. One, they had a commercial program for mm-hmm. drums not so not a jazz program not a classical program which most music schools offer jazz or classical okay belmont like berkeley college of music and musicians institute in belmont are some of the few that's not all of them but they those are some of the ones that stand out as programs that are offering more than just jazz or classical um the other reason I picked it is because I toured Berkeley and I toured some other schools, and it just made sense to me that Ber- uh, Belmont being in Nashville was like a good idea, um, and right. <clears throat> that was it to me. That turned out to be a very much the right idea because um, studying for four years at Belmont, like I absolutely learned drums and music and certain things that I would not know if I hadn't gone to music school. But hands down, the most valuable part of going to college for music was the people I met and the fact that I had four years in Nashville to, you know, kind of put down roots, get out there and gig. And I didn't have to worry about, like, how much does this gig pay? Oh, it only pays 15 bucks. It's like, well, okay, great. I'm here to get better and study music and whatever. I'll go do this gig. Whereas now, someone's like, dude, I got 15 bucks for you to play this show. (laughs) And I'm like... What? Okay. <laughs> right. uh, that that there's no math where that makes sense for me now, but then it didn't matter. Right. Um, so all through college, I was I was studying and doing that whole thing, but I was also on the weekends. I would go out with different artists that were from Nashville. Um, I was fortunate to kind of start touring on and off when I was in school, mm-hmm. um, which some people it takes them a while even after they graduate, and I just got lucky the people I met you know, pass my name along. And so that's when I guess my professional career really started was sometime in college. But when I graduated, I went full time with this band Remedy Drive. We I toured with them for two years. We played all over the world. Um, I That's the band that I recorded my first feature album. I, I was the drummer writing all the parts and doing the thing. Wow. And, and that was great. <laughs> and then from Remedy, I played with a couple other like CCM artists. And then I, you know, played with a lot of country artists like Gloriana, Jana Kramer, Jared Neiman, um, you know, different people, like tons of artists from Nashville. And then I kind of reached a point where um, touring just seemed a little... um, So there's this balance of you have the money the gig pays, you have the people that are on the gig, and then you have the music. Right. And I had a lot of teachers talk to me about, you know, there has to be a balance of those three things for the gig to make sense. Just like we were talking about, it's not like every project I record on now has a set fee. It's like, well, is the music great? Do I love working with this person? Well, Mm -hmm. then the money situation is different. 
So it, it just got to me where there was no equation where the amount of money they could pay me would be worth like leaving my family, especially when the music... And it's not that the people were bad or whatever. It's just like they were <clears throat> they were co-workers. Sure. They weren't uh, – it wasn't a band of brothers right. taking the nation by storm. I was a hired gun right. just showing up. And, you know, I had – like I was out with a major label artist that, you know, we woke up one morning and the, <laughs> the monitor engineer was like, oh, man, isn't it crazy? It's our last show. And I was like, what was that? <laughs> <laughs> it's our what? And he was like, yeah, I mean, it was the last show today. Isn't that crazy? And I was just like – what are you talking about? He was like, oh, yeah, like, they, they, this is their last show. They're not going to exist after today. Um, so I experienced enough of that to know, you know, uh, you know, and I had started tour managing and doing some of the things, like you're saying, how much value do you bring, do you bring to a situation? Sure. For me, I was starting to realize, wow, okay, I'm, I'm good enough at drums to play any of the gigs I've been hired to do, but I have these other skills. Like I'm pretty good at like getting on the phone and advancing shows, or I'm pretty good at like answering emails. I'm, I can manage a calendar. I can do these things. And it just started to, you know, when I started making like double show pay for tour managing or whatever, I was like, man, if I'm, if I'm using all these skills to build someone else's business, I could probably do it for myself. There you go. And I would have a lot more security. I would be able to, take the day and wash the cars and not have to worry sure. about work. I would have a lot more control and flexibility. Right. Um, so that's when I kind of made the con- very conscious decision. I took a year where I said, I'm not going to, I'm not going to tour for a whole year. And that was like the scariest year of my life. Cause it's all I've done right. <laughs> for my whole right money. Where do you, how do you, how do you get paid? Right. That's what you're thinking yeah. to yourself. Right. Um, <clears throat> but the whole time I had been touring, I had been, dabbling in education you know i had been doing like master classes here and there and i i always had a website that i was you know posting transcriptions to or kind of thoughts on this topic or that topic and i always just kind of had a little bit of that cooking in the background Mm -hmm. and that's what i stress to so many of my friends is the moment that you need to rely on a new way of finding income is really stressful and having to create it out of nothing will make it almost impossible. Right. So the benefit of all of the, you know, I'd do transcriptions here or there. Someone would find my website and say, hey, can you transcribe this for me? And I'd say, sure. And I'd charge like 20 bucks for it. And I was like, no, oh, cool. Yeah. Like, nice little 20 bucks I made while I was on the bus in the back lounge or whatever. Right. Um, but that became really significant when I decided that I, I maybe wanted to not tour as much as I was doing at that time because I was able to say, okay. I've already been transcribing for people. How can I like ramp this up? And ramping something up is so much easier than the moment I decide I maybe don't want to tour for the rest of my life, trying to find out how to build a website, trying to find out what kind of income streams I could make. Like having that stuff just kind of simmering in the background meant that the moment I needed to really deploy them, they were much more, you know, they were right at my fingertips. And like, Sure, the first like year, especially, <laughs> yeah. I was cold emailing people and like, hey, do you need me to transcribe it? Hey, I do remember. you need help with this? Like, hey, you know. I remember those days. <laughs> I remember yeah, those days. So certainly, but you know, the first year that I was not on the road, I, I think I matched the income I had ever made, like the most money I'd ever made touring full time. I matched that income the first year. Wow. And then since <clears> then it's always been growth. Some growth, um, no matter what. Right. So 
I, you know, I can't promise that's going to happen forever. But even if it doesn't, I'm at the point now where I have just so much more control that I, I, I just know how I can expect, you know, like to me, it's just so crazy to me that I can look at, uh, like if my wife and I want to go on a vacation, I can look at my calendar and say, oh yeah, you know, September such and such. Great. We'll go. Because touring, that was never the case. It was like, sure. oh, I don't know. That's like the right at the end of festival season. I don't know if I'm going to be you, able to like. You might get a call. And so part of that is too, right? You're Because you were a hired gun, you were you were a hired hand. So you're always looking or hoping for the next job to come along because you're working for someone else yeah. in essence. That's right. So, so going on tour and, and one of my questions, you kind of answer like what being a, as a touring musician, what, you know, you have some, some things that are probably really great. And I think a lot of those things are probably the things we would all think, you know, you're you're touring, you're on a bus, you're a rock star, you're seeing different people, you're hanging out with the boys and you're doing all that stuff. I'm sure there's a lot of fun that goes on there. But then the other part, the other part of it is, you know, you're away from your family, right? Yes. You're, you know, it's a lot of long nights on that bus, sleeping in different beds every single night. That's got to get monotonous as all hell after a while. Um, and then not always knowing where the next job's going to come from. Right. So you come home and can't go on vacation during festival season, because what if I get that call? It's going to pay us you know, enough money to sustain us for the next six months and we're on a beach somewhere and I missed that opportunity and the artist won't call me back again. Yeah. Right. So you decided yeah, to I get mean, off it, the it road got, and to do your own thing. You're in a lot more control now over what you want to do. And it got really frustrating, you know, just always like I have so many musician friends that their um, attention span in a conversation is so terrible because they're so programmed that because and, and this is never the way that when I was band leading, this was never I this is not the way I think it should be done. Mm-hmm. But it is very frequent that a band leader is like, oh, man, we need a guitar player for this run coming up. And they just pull out, they copy and paste a text to like 10 different guitar players. Oh, and no kidding. Pretty much like, you know, it's Nashville. And like chances are, if you're texting them, you know that those people are people that are qualified. They and can play do the and job right. or whatever. So usually like kind of whoever gets back to you. For, like you maybe have one or two people that you'll prioritize, but like kind of whoever gets back to you first that you're like, okay, this is the person. So I, you know, there were so many times where I just didn't want that to be, I was never very good at that anyway. Like I have friends that are on the road and then they're having their artist fly them from this show to this show so that they can be at this other artist show. And then they're, they're renting a van and driving because, <laughs> yeah. you know, the rental will, even though they have to pay for the rental themselves, like it works itself out because they're able to play this show. And I was just like, man, I don't, that, that is crazy. Like there's just got to be an easier way for, to me, I just got to the conclusion of, man, there's got to be an easier way for me to make money than have to travel hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of miles to to do it, especially if I'm traveling those hundred and hundred miles for someone else's right. business. Right. If, if it was your business, right? If it was Tim's band, you were the main, yeah. you were the rocks, the main rock star. Maybe that's different. Making all, yeah, the, making just, all the money. You know, you if know? it were my band, mm-hmm. I would want for the people that I worked with, I would want some level of, um, you know, I just think like, uh, you know, it, most musicians don't, and it's interesting in Nashville, like most musicians don't really know anything about their business because the Nashville model, if you're doing it, it, if you're doing music on any scale, mm-hmm. like the Nashville model is, okay, you got, you, you probably have a publishing deal, you're writing for some people, then maybe, you know, you start to cut your own stuff and then you get a manager, then you get a booking agent, then you get all this stuff, then maybe you sign to a label. And it's like before you even really had a business, 
there were people that took you under their wing and started helping you with these things that it's like, like I can't imagine, um, you know, I edit all my own video. Right. So I can't imagine hiring someone <clears throat> to do that to edit video before I had ever done it. And, 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 you know, there's varying degrees to that, but it's like, if you don't know anything about the job you're hiring for someone, right. someone for, like, then why are you, why are you hiring them? And it's like, um, it's just so interesting to work for different artists where it's kind of like, okay, so you have a manager and then you have, you know, like an assistant and then you have a tour manager who also does a lot of stuff that you, and what are you doing all day? Right. <laughs> well, and you have to pay all those people too, right? So it's, and you have to, so at the end, that all comes out of your ends, whatever yeah. your end is, right? And so, you know, what I guess that kind of leads into my next question. When you went on your own, and you left your day job touring, let's say, you know, and you started sure. off on this new business, even though they had some things kind of started cooking in the background, but you were still starting from pretty much the ground floor when you went totally by yourself, right? Definitely. What did you find the most difficult thing outside, you know, making money, sure, but what was the most difficult thing for you to, do you think, when you first got started that you said, wow, this was a little bit more challenging than I thought it was, or I didn't think of that, or that kind of took hmm. me by surprise. Was there anything? Or was it just because you said you made a lot of the money back or you matched your income in the first year, which is great. And yeah. I think part of that's probably because of all the connections you had in the music business. Plus, you were you had stuff kind of going on in the background. So it wasn't like the first day off the road, you were sitting in your room going, hey, what do I think I want to do? You kind of knew what right. you wanted to do. You just needed to now start ramping it up and scaling it. Right. Yeah. Um, I would say, you know, I, I guess the. I don't know if anything surprised me or, or anything like that. I guess what I will say is, like, I had no idea how to sell things. Um, I had I, – I, I'm always constantly learning more about marketing. And the reason that um, I had so much to learn in that area is because I think, you know, so much of the selling that goes on online is um, – uh, it's just terrible. Like it's just uh, buy my product. Yeah. It's, it's a bunch of like marketing mm-hmm. gimmicks and tricks and all this stuff. And um, so when I started to, um, you know, when I started to think more about my brand in air quotes or whatever, mm-hmm. and I needed to sell things to make a living or whatever, um, I was very resistant to playing all those gimmicky tricks and being sleazy. Yep. Um, which just meant basically I would make like one post about something and be like, please buy this. And then no one would. <laughs> right. So I was like, okay, <laughs> this is not working either. Right. How could I, how can I sell stuff and not feel sleazy about it? And I think it's something that you're doing. It's something that like I work a bunch with a ton of different online creators and all of the people that I love what they're doing. The thing they're doing is providing value right. for people. And if that is your main thing then any selling you do any whatever you do is is always going to be coming from the right place in is chances are it will be avoiding any of this sleazy gimmicky salesy thing um because the 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 goal is i want to provide value for people right um so that was something that i had to learn though how can i provide value for people while also still making a living myself and how can i you know, how can I amass a following? How can I, um, and I'm not talking about millions and millions and millions. And that's an, that, that was a, that was a misunderstanding that I had as I thought, well, if I'm going to do this for real, 
I need to get a million subscribers on YouTube and a million people <clears throat> on Instagram and whatever. And it's just not the case. No, you I can thought make the same a living. Thing. Right. You can make a living with, you know, 200 people that support you if That's they'll right. buy everything you put out. That's right. Um, so I think for me, I just had to learn like what selling really was and how that's not always tied to doing tricks and gimmicks to get a million followers or whatever because I have friends that have two million subscribers on YouTube and can barely make a living because they haven't figured out how to negotiate this whole what I put out for free what I sell how I connect those two things Um, so that's always something I'm learning more and more and more about is how to do that better how to provide value and then find the people that need that thing right. that you're making. Cause at the end of the day, that's what we all are. I think are hoping like I made my Ableton course, not to become this rich person that has an Island and I have a yacht or whatever. <laughs> right. I wanted to solve the problem of people opening up Ableton and going, Whoa, what is this? This looks like nothing I've ever seen before. Right. I wanted to solve that problem. So getting better at selling for me, not only has the benefit of me making more money, but it is the ability for me to solve that problem of, I don't know how to use Ableton and I need to, cause I have a show next week. Right. So right. it's that finding those people that are experiencing the problem you're trying to solve. That was, that's something I'm still learning every single day. Yeah, that and that ha- and none of that, everything you just said, um, fortunately or unfortunately, depending on how you look at it, none of that has anything to do with making music. And no. a lot of people that get into this business, whether it's from a, mu- a musician side or an engineering side, it's not. That's not the. For me, I, I enjoy it. It's fun, but that's not the fun, sexy stuff. That's not sitting in front of a console and playing with a bunch of gear or playing with totally. you know vintage drum kits in a studio and trying to get the perfect snare sound. None of that. Is what pays the bills. <laughs> yeah. Right? right? It's all this other stuff. And that's why they call it the music business. And I think a yeah. lot of musicians and a lot of folks that are not in the music industry, but are like um, part-timers, weekend warriors, or people who just have a love for it, that, but never had to rely on it to feed them, feed themselves, because they always had a day job. They like They understand the music part of it usually fairly well but they have absolutely no inclination of the word business. They almost forget it even says music business. They hear music right. and it's music, you know? And what yeah. you find out is when you do this long enough, you find out that more of your time is spent on the business side, far more time of my time is spent on the business side than it is on the music side. Yeah. Except, you know, when they see the YouTube video or they see your Ableton course, they see the finished product and they don't see the six months worth of business stuff you did before <laughs> that to make that three hour course for someone. <laughs> Yeah. Which, by the way, again, that course will be in the show notes below. And and the one thing that that is, because I was one of those guys that searched all over YouTube trying to figure out Ableton. And there is a lot of stuff on Ableton, but there wasn't anybody who made it from a musician's point of view and how you used it as a live performing musician. Mm-hmm. Most of the stuff on Ableton was about DJs and different things that really worked a little bit for what I wanted to do or what you were teaching, but didn't quite get you there. It's like, okay, but I have right. so many more questions where yours was like, look, if you're going to perform live to backing tracks, here's the deal. And it, it was like, wow, that was the first time I ever saw anything like that. And that's why I went yeah. out and said, got to have this. And, it, and it's, it cut down six months worth of time 
I learned in absolutely. a week, which would, would have took me, without a doubt, six months would have took me. I, yeah. I learned in a weekend, um, because once you want, you know, once you've used one DAW, you use them all, and they just have to yeah. tweak them around a little bit. But you showed all the shortcuts that I never would have figured out. Never in a million, yeah. never in a million years, I had figured out all that stuff on my own. So, if you're Man, someone, you're so good at plugging that course. No, There's it's been very, so many very organic uses of that. It's I'm very, so, very man. good. So anyone that wants to learn Ableton, and I did post a bunch of YouTube videos showing how I was using Ableton, um, and all of Tim's links are in those YouTube description boxes, and we'll also put it in the uh, in the show notes below so someone can go check out the course because I'm not going to create that course. Someone's already done it that's done a good job. Go support Tim and pick up the course. It's worth it, and I use it. Yeah, and people ask, you. and I've gotten a lot of questions about it. On my YouTube videos, people have asked me about, wow, you're doing this and that, and I want to do this, so hopefully they'll they'll go your way. Um, so what, you know, for someone, again, we kind of really just kind of answered it, but maybe, you know, again, the number one or number two question I get is about, you know, I want to move into the music industry full-time on some level. What advice, for you, what, what advice do you have for them? right out of the gate before you make that jump you know here's how here's what you ought to consider maybe first second third or that kind of a thing before you make that jump and i guess for everybody's uh situation will be different where are you in your life are you retiring right do you need the money is this just a passion are you out of a job depending on where you are from someone who started from scratch what what would you say yeah uh so there's a couple things that i would keep in mind one um yeah, with whatever else you have going on in your life, I think that it's really hard to, you know, the goal of I want to make a living being a musician is far too broad to ever achieve it. Right. So I really stress, similar to figure out what your time is worth, if you want to do music on a part-time or full-time basis, figure out what you need to do that. Instead, because no one is going to set that price for you. You know, if you go for a job interview at such and such corporation and they're offering a salary, like they're telling you what your time is worth and you're either agreeing to it or not, right. whatever. As a musician, no one's going to do that. No one's going to say you should be making this much a year, which means this much a month, which means this much every five days of the work week or whatever. So sit down and say, you know, if I'm going to do this full time, I know it's not going to be super easy. And I know that maybe the first couple of years I do it, I'm not going to be making what I am now at my job, but here's what we need to make. Now you have a goal you can work toward. Okay, every week I got to make this much from music. That is a much... So I think first, if you're trying to make some transition or you're trying to just figure it out, get really concrete with, okay, how can I do that? And that takes kind of breaking things into smaller component parts than just... I want to transition from my job to a being a musician. Yeah, what whatever. yeah, what does that mean? Define what that really means, right? Right. What does that so, mean? So, outside of that, I would say that, you know, a lot of people are like, well, I want to make a living doing music, I'm going to move to Nashville or I'm going to move to LA. Yeah, I wanted and to talk thing, to you about before that too. People, yeah. yeah, before people think about doing that, I would say have you tapped out your area? So, the chance of you um you know, you, you have some kind of nine to five job and you practice drums on the weekend sometimes and you had a band a couple of years ago that doesn't play. The chance of you being able to play drums more, uprooting your life wherever you are and then just moving to Nashville and hoping a gig falls out of the sky. It's just not how it works. Right. I would say before you ever think about moving, have you gigged in your hometown? Have you, you know, opened up a 
you know, teaching studio and done that thing? Like, have you made some moves in your hometown to know that there's no way that you can make <clears throat> a living in that town? So you need to move somewhere right. else. Um, and that's going to look way different. Like if you're in the middle of nowhere in Nebraska or something, which I love Nebraska, but <laughs> there are parts of it that are just cornfields for right. miles and miles and miles and miles. So like it, it may be you can't make any kind of full-time living if you're in Nebraska. Although the first band I toured with started in Nebraska. So I don't know. <laughs> um, so maybe, but until you've done that work and said, you know, I've tried to play with some bands. There's just no one that's consistent. And I've tried to do this thing. And the, until you've done that, there's there's almost no chance that you can move to Nashville and now because all that stuff is experience. Like I played in some bands in high school before I went to Belmont, and you know we played some gigs in the parking lot of a grocery store or whatever. None of it was like life changing, sure. But I had it's experience, right? So when I first had a rehearsal as a professional musician in Nashville, I had been to hundreds of rehearsals playing at you know, playing with my band in high school and playing at these like churches or whatever I was doing, like all of that is valid experience and will also tell you whether or not, you know, it will also help you give yourself a filter. And I think that like, if you're going to be a professional, you need to, um, it's not that you need to have a thick skin necessarily. Um, but you need to be able to take criticism and learn from that. Um, when I first started recording, I remember, you know, I, the producer would, I would do a pass of a song, and the producer would be like, hey, man, like, really cool, uh, the verse works, but, um, and then he'd have, like, 20 different things that were terrible about what I played. Right. And I would instantly be like, whoa, what are you talking about? I mean, that <clears throat> groove in the second chorus is just kind of like that Jeff Picaro thing, <laughs> and then, like, the blah, blah, blah. It, it doesn't matter. One, the producer's the reason you're there, and he's hiring you to do it, so... He, there you go. Right. But also, like, are you listening to the whole song or are you just thinking about your drum part? And you, I think you just need to be able to, aside from how you feel or how you want something to be perceived, um, you know, it could be that you – and the flip side, like, you sound great in your local bands you're doing and you move to Nashville, you get a gig and you, you play your first Nashville gig. I think that you should be prepared to know that, like – Pretty much anyone you encounter in Nashville like is a musician, <laughs> right? <laughs> and it's probably pretty good. And people say that right. as a joke, but it's not really a joke. Like right. my wife does not work in the music industry in any way, shape, or form, mm -hmm. and has a classical voice degree and has an amazing voice and can harmonize better than half of the people I've been on the road like with BGVs on. So it's like she's just out there like working a totally normal job, right? air quotes right so like the the level of and i have a good mix engineer mind who spent a lot of time in houston and like working in the music scene in that area he you know he was a engineer in nashville worked in texas moved back to nashville and talking to him he's like yeah there's just like nashville is a different deal there's just no place on planet earth where there's this much of a concentrated group of people that are this good at this thing. Right. Um, and that's not, I mean, there are a ton of terrible musicians in Nashville too. Sure. It's not, they're all good. Right. But I think um, it's really important to prepare yourself to be very realistic about, okay, in my local scene, this is where I'm stacking up. So if I go to Nashville, this is where I'll stack up. And then um, the last thing is, I think the internet is so important. 
and it doesn't matter if you're 70 and you want to do some more music or you're 14 and you're listening to this and you're thinking about dreaming, you're dreaming about one day becoming a musician. Right. The internet is not going <clears throat> away. Nope. And regardless of how you feel about it or how you want the world to interact with the internet, here we are. The reason that I can exist and make a living is because of the internet. Me too. Um, my connections in Nashville are amazing. Like, and I get a ton of work through the people I know from Nashville, but that would not be enough to make a full-time, full-time living doing what I'm doing alone unless I had a website and I had an Instagram and a YouTube and a podcast and all these other things right. that, you know, get me out there in the world and let people know, oh, wow, this guy knows about Ableton. Oh, wow, this guy, you know, has a transcription of this person. Like, oh, wow. Um, so the internet is so important and you can just, I, I, I like to put this in front of people cause a lot of people are like, I hate Facebook. I hate Instagram. I hate YouTube. It's all blah, blah, blah. For me, Instagram is amazing. YouTube is amazing. Podcast is amazing because it's a real time document of where you were in your life. Yep. Then <clears throat> sure. whatever you're using it for. I can go back three years on my YouTube videos and listen to the drum mixes I was doing for those videos, listen to the vocal mix I did on that video, and go, wow, this is terrible. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure in another three years, I'll look back at stuff I'm putting out right now in this moment and go, yep. wow, this is terrible. Yep. But the amount of skills that you have to have to put out a great YouTube video is insane. Yeah, it's you unbelievable. You have to know how to edit photos. You have to yeah. know how to edit video. You have to know how to mix audio. You have to yep. know how so many things. You have to know how to think about what people want. And we've talked about it before. Like, yeah, <laughs> I'm still I want, it. <laughs> I want to post a YouTube video about odd time signatures and drum soloing. And it turns out no one else cares about That's, it. That's, yeah. Because <laughs> most people on planet Earth are like, I want to jam to ACDC. That's right. So just that skill alone and how to get into the brain of the people you're trying to make content for is invaluable, whether it's your full-time gig or not. Every musician I know could benefit from the fact that, you know, this is how other drummers think about drums and perceive drums, and this is how artists think about it, and this is how engineers think about and perceive drummers and whatever. That's going to make you a better drummer. Absolutely. Period. And creating content helps you do that because you have to be involved with getting better at mixing, whatever. And I like there's so many my sure there are a couple of staples of my business as it is now that make me the most money. Mm -hmm. But I do so many things that, you know, I, I get paid randomly to do this kind of task here. And I get randomly like I mix YouTube videos for people because a lot of engineers that mix are way too expensive mm -hmm. for someone trying to get a mix. But a lot of YouTube creators are terrible yes they audio. are they're hor yeah and that's more important than the, they say the audio is actually more important than the video quality of yeah. a youtube video which you would think i would always would have thought it's that's would be backwards right but they say you could get away with kind of a shoddy video if the lighting's not right on your iphone or whatever and as Definitely. long as you can distinguish what the hell's on the screen but if the it could be a a 4k cinematic video and if the uh, audio sucks yeah no one's going to watch the video it's true. I mean, all yeah. these, like, all the people that are helping me fix my car, I I don't care that the, the iPhone is shaking as they're walking through. I just wish I could hear what they're saying. Right, so it. I know how to fix the car. Right, yeah. it makes a lot of sense. It makes a yeah, lot of sense. Yeah, so to me, 
I'm at a price point, if you want to hire me to mix your YouTube video, I'm at a very unique price point because that's not what I do. But you can do so, it well and you can do it affordably, right? Right. So sure, if I if I try to take the world by storm and I'll mix your YouTube video, that's probably not how I can make a full-time living. Right. Or at least not right now, and I don't really want to. But it's a skill that I have, right. and it's a thing that I can add value to someone. So someone hires me to do drums. I'm not just going to track the drums here. I'm going to edit them. I'm not just going to edit them, but I'm going to make sure when I send the files that everything is labeled very clearly. If If there's a section where I feel like it could really use some programming, maybe they're hiring me to just track acoustic drums, but I doubt they would be upset if I sent them a couple stimmed out things that are programmed, sure. if they don't use them, they don't use they them. They don't use them, but they have an option. But they have an option, and certainly that's more than me, you know, tracking some drums and saying, okay, here they are. The sounds are great, but you got to edit them. You got to, you know, whatever. It's like the more you can bring to the table, the, just the better off you're going to be. So even if you are an engineer and you're, you're mixing stuff, you notice that they have a podcast and you say, Hey man, I could, you know, I could, I could send you a template for your podcast that would make it just sound so much better, you know? And right. then your client's like, Whoa, right. That's amazing. Or you say, Man, I see that you have a YouTube channel. I got a YouTube channel myself. Like your thumbnails are kind of whack right now. I would love to send you, you know, just a, an idea for this. And maybe they like it, maybe they don't. But it's, it's about, you know, there's, and it's just fun to learn some of this stuff. Yeah. Like that's the other thing. It's a pain at first, but like having multiple ways during your day where it's not just mix, 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 mix. It you can break up mixing with, ah oh, man, I'm gonna edit this thumbnail. Oh, I'm gonna edit this video. Sure. Like I don't know, for me, <laughs> I need um that variety. Yeah, I need variety. Like touring, the thing that bummed me out is I would love getting a new gig because it's like, okay, I'm going to learn the 30 songs, like I'm going to nail this hour and a half set, whatever. And then 20 shows later, I'm like, okay, I get it. Yeah, now what? Right. (laughs) Everything is sounding awesome. It's great. Like now I'm bored. Right. And that wasn't because of any of the particular artists I played for. That's just my brain. I'm like, okay, this is awesome. I don't want to do this for the next seven years and play the same music and and sure, the show always grows, and you learn that you can ah steal a little fill here. That's the perfect spot for that. And, mm-hmm. Oh, man, the bass and drums could really do this here. You're making little incremental improvements, and that's cool, and that's important. But for me, I was like, man, I I want to do more than just drum all the time. Right. So you have and to be a just, driven person. I mean, that's the other thing. right? You ha- In order to be a business person and work for yourself and work for home and do everything that we're talking about. And in one second, I want, because you're talking about multiple streams of income is really what you're talking about. And I want to talk about all the different things that you do so people know, you know, if I go to Tim, he can do a whole bunch of things. But um, but you have to be driven, right? Because it, it could be very easy working from home, sitting from home, never getting out of your pajamas, never doing your hair, taking a shower, and just saying, hey, I'm going to work for an hour and then yeah, I'm going to sleep on the couch for six hours today. I did yeah. my I did my one YouTube video this week. Yeah. Um, you have to be constantly driven and always looking for what's the next thing I can add to my overall brand or my overall business model, even if you don't yeah. do a ton of that work. But I think you made you made a good point. If a producer calls you to play drums, 
They know they got a drummer, someone who could probably do some programming. Hey, this dude also does audio editing for podcasting. He also does cool thumbnails and he could do some YouTube stuff. And I have right. this artist that I'm working with and he or she needs uh, some branding makeover on the YouTube channel. Tim did a really cool thing on this thumbnail, which has nothing to do with drumming anymore. But it's yes. just, it's all those different connections and all the different tools that you have. So you, someone could call you and you can you could provide them 10 different types of things that you could do to help them for whatever they need beyond just I'm, your main I'm thing. I'm always which is talking to touring musicians. I'm like, listen, the artist you're out with would never be upset if you had a DSLR camera and you were taking like awesome videos and photos <laughs> of them while they're on tour. They're never Right. going to be upset at that as long as you get their permission and you're not right. being weird about it like they're never going to be upset that their drummer also doubles as a video oh video absolutely right and if we're being honest a lot of times videographers get paid like quadruple what <laughs> what the drummer, what gets the drummer paid. <laughs> does to be out on the road doing it right so it's like sure you don't have to become a full-time videographer and you're like working for hbo on the next season of game of thrones right. or whatever that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about you're here, you're drumming, and you say to yourself, like, this was me for tour managing. I was out, the first time I started tour managing, I was out with an artist where they were new artists, they were great, super talented, but very green, brand new to town, and none of them had ever toured, and I was just, at every show, I was like, man, they're trying to do this themselves, and they're getting kind of destroyed, because they just don't know, they haven't done it enough to have the experience to know that when you call in advance a show, you're not just like double checking like load in times and show mm -hmm. times. Like, do they have the backline gear? Right. Do, do they, is the catering like set up? Are we good to go on that? Or are they, is it a buyout for lunch? Like, there's so many things that go into a show. So I said, hey, no pressure. Not here how to tell you to do your job, but. You know, I've I've been out and I've thankfully been on the road with some amazing tour managers and I just kind of looking like I think your lives would be way easier if you could free up some time to do X, Y, and Z and, you know, you had someone doing this. If you're ever interested in that, let's let's talk about it. And they were like, whoa, yeah, let's do it. Yeah, you can do that too. Yeah, that's that's really good. And that's what <laughs> we're to, like, you know, I think for a long time I thought to be a successful musician, I want to be a drummer and I want to play drums. And I just looked at it as, if I'm doing something that isn't drumming, I'm not making it. And now I, I, the amount of things I do is like endless. Right. And it's very hard. Like so much so that like when someone at a party is like, hey, what do you do for a living? I'm like, well, yeah, I, I do. don't really yeah. know. What did I do today? Right, for a well, living, right. I edited a thumbnail. <laughs> and I did, right. You know, so it's not as easy to quantify like in a concise seven word answer like it used to be like oh i'm a touring drummer and people would be like wow right it's amazing right. Right. Mm. so i definitely lost a lot of sex appeal when now at parties people are like what are you doing i'm like well i have a website and i have like that whole online thing and then i also work with kind of like but i think it's just a matter of again providing more value and you know saying like like you're saying being driven enough to find those spots and say oh man you know what I could be doing? I could be doing this a little bit better. And absolutely, I, I could, you know, I, I see that you guys are doing this and it's super cool. I think I could actually help because I do X, Y, and Z and that would really help you guys out. Like 
and it does you you do have to have some amount of drive and like my producer buddies that make great livings that can sometimes look way different than what it looks like for me mm-hmm. like some of them are like i'm very much a work from six to five every day get up early go to bed early because that's me and that's what i have to do and some of my producer friends are like man i roll out of bed at like 1 p.m yeah I'm up work all like night six in the morning and i'm like yeah. okay well yeah so it's not that there's like a template where if you're doing this and but it you do have to have some level of well, every day I'm going to show up and and do something. Chip away at this. Right, you got to move the ball down the field, even if you're only moving it a half a yard at a time. But you got to move the ball down the field. You can't not pick up the ball and expect to get a touchdown, right? And it's not <laughs> always like just because I work for myself now doesn't mean I'm always having fun. I had sure. to renew my hosting for my website <laughs> the other day. Why and that's that not fun? Call, yeah, that that like forty five minute call to figure out like you know to negotiate the price and all that stuff. None of that was like fun i didn't right. want to do any of it so it's not like every day just because you work for yourself you can wake up and just it's awesome and no you're, you're not on, right you're yeah. not just drumming all day you're not just drumming all day and the other thing about multiple streams of income and especially at this time you know we're recording this podcast in the beginning of june 2020 you know everything's going around with the coronavirus if you're a touring musician and if only you were a touring musician you're out of work right now brother there's no, and who even knows? I mean, let's hope that, you know, in the next six months, you know, this is all going to, but they're saying concerts and venues and shows, those are going to be probably one of the last things to come back where you're yeah. not going to put 10,000 people in a room to see a band. Even yeah. the local weekend warriors, friends of mine, and just even live sound engineers, anyone that needed to be a part of the live music scene to make a living isn't making a living right now. And what are they all doing? They're all scrambling to learn how to do live stream stuff, and they're learning yeah. how to perform online, and how do I monetize that? Where someone like yourself, who was or could still be on tour playing gigs if you want to, you have built this whole other back into your business where, okay, that dries up for who yeah. knows how long. I'm not starving. Right. Yeah, and I think that even when and that goes that that like sure maybe you want to make a career change and that's why you're getting some other skills and you're learning a little sure. bit about video or whatever. But I I just think it's always good. You know, I always hated um I always hated in like school when they were talking about the music business. They were like you got to diversify your income. Mm. And to me it made it seem as if like, well, you're never going to be able to make a full-time living doing the one thing you want to do. So you got to learn all these other things. And that's not what we're really that's not how I view it anymore. Like I view it as um you walk into Target. If all Target sold were like $800 like um sectional sofas, they would not have no, as many customers not, as they do. Right. It's a very, because, very niche thing. Right. Yeah. And not everybody is in the market for an $800 sectional or right. $4,000 sectional. Right. And in the same, in the same way, not every artist that I interact with when I'm in Nashville has the budget to pay X amount of dollars to have a drummer on the road. Okay, great. But do you need photos edited? Because right. that's also something I do. It's not necessarily that like you're not good enough at drums, so or you're not good enough at mixing, so that mm-hmm. can't be your full time gig. So like, go out and learn how to do this mm-hmm. and this and this. That's not really what we're talking about. It's that you are able to serve more customers. If you want to look at it that way, yep. you're able to serve far more customers 
if you offer more. Right, more value. And not everybody wants to do that. Right. But it also serves the double purpose. So that's how to have multiple streams of income and probably earn more money. But it also serves the double purpose that when one of those things absolutely tanks because there's a pandemic, which no one could have predicted ever, that you you have something else that you can say, oh, well, I've also got this service that I can offer. And that's when I look at, like, I I really love Aaron Sterling. He's an amazing drummer, session drummer, plays for John Mayer, has played on, like, every album ever. Um, He's got master classes out where he's teaching session stuff, and they're amazing. And I I always look at it as, like, you know, if Aaron Sterling, the top call session drummer on planet Earth right now, if he's out there there (laughs) making master classes and, like, releasing sample packs and doing that thing, like... It's. Uh, I should too. Yeah. Right. Right. I, right. I don't get called for as many sessions as Aaron right. Sterling. You know what I mean? It's like every great. You know, it's LeBron James. The you know, sure. There's a whole nother podcast devoted to whether he's the best basketball player on planet Earth right, right. now. But he's certainly very good at basketball. Yep. And you don't see him just saying, you know what? All I want to do is play on this team. I'm not going to worry about business. I'm not worry about anything else until I'm done in the NBA. No, not at all. And he's making way more money than right. I do right. to be in the NBA. But it's just not, you know, it's just not great to have all your eggs in any right. one basket. Right. Especially when that basket isn't paying for your health insurance. It's not paying you any kind of benefits. It's just hiring you from a gig to gig basis. Right. Um. So, yeah, there, there are a lot of my friends who... I think it took a moment like this for them to realize, like, I talk to, so, and I'm sure you do too, I talk to so many people all the time, they're like, man, oh yeah, I've thought about starting a podcast, or man, i got this great idea, and I'm like, man, you should do that. <laughs> do it right now, right. while you're not worried about whether it pays you money or you can monetize right. it or whatever. That's going to be the best time to start it, so. Right, absolutely. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about, because we mentioned about a lot of different things that you do, so give us kind of a synopsis on your website, like you do drum, um, you do uh, what is it notation? You do mm-hmm. courses. You do po- what? G- give us all the things that you do. And again, your link will be in the description box in the show notes below, so you can go check out what Tim does. But what are all the different things that you have going on on your website that people can check out? Yeah, so timbulemusic.com is kind of where most of me lives on the internet. I have a YouTube channel, um, YouTube.com/slash/timbule, which is bunch of drum stuff a lot of recording stuff a lot of it is like drum specific recording stuff yep. but that's there ableton stuff um i also have a podcast <clears throat> you're good get better which you have been on yeah great um, podcast that is a lot about drums but it's also a lot about music and like i personally love the more philosophical side of life um especially when i'm talking to musicians that i love and who i respect so um we get into all kinds of stuff on that podcast that's you're good get better um, so if you're looking for free stuff, the YouTube channel, the podcast, great place to start my Instagram at Tim Buell, put a bunch of drum videos there. Um, and then on my website, if you go to timbuellmusic.com, you can go to, there's like a free lessons transcriptions tab, and that's more fun drum nerd stuff that you can check out and how to, um, how to transcribe transcriptions, right. lessons, all that stuff. So as far as the business side of things, 
Um, so that's just free stuff. You can go to my website and find all that stuff and just check it out. If it helps you, amazing. Um, as far as my business stuff, like I do a lot of transcribing. So transcribing is you hear a drum part and you notate it note for note as it was performed. Um, so I have a lot of people I that I have done that for and with. So I've worked with companies like Vic Firth and Zildjian and Steven's Drum Shed and um, drummers like Ash Sohn and Aaron Spears and... Um, yeah, so I've done a lot of that. That's my echo ring doorbell nice. happening in the background <laughs> just for anyone door. hearing that. <laughs> that wasn't your doorbell. That was mine. Um, so, yeah, I um, I transcribe a lot for a lot of – for myself and put out ebooks and stuff like that. And then I've partnered with a lot of drummers and drum companies to do that. I also have courses for sale, Ableton course, stuff like that. Um, I do a lot of sessions from home. And then I also work with a lot of other – content creators helping them edit video um essentially help them put content onto the internet whether that's mixing or video editing or right. photo editing or whatever i do a lot of that stuff too so if someone um, has um if someone has music that needs to have drums put on it they could just contact you through their through your website too right so you're you're working with some big name people but you're working with indie artists and people who oh, yeah. just say hey i programmed my easy drummer and I'm not happy with the drums and I want a live drummer, a real drummer to play, yeah. you you can work with them. Absolutely. Yeah. You can actually go to my website, timbulemusic.com slash discography. Mm-hmm. Um, very difficult word yep. to say. Yeah. Um, but yep. it's also in the menu. If you go to timbulemusic.com, there's a selected discography of stuff that I've worked on the last couple years. Um, so yeah. And like as a you know, as as we've been talking about this whole time, the business side is important and all of that stuff. Probably my favorite thing I did in the last two years was I put out these solo drum instrumental things that I recorded myself, produced myself, edited myself, mixed myself, <clears throat> did the artwork, did all of it. Um, it was really fun for me to be on the other side. You know, all of the projects I've ever played on in my life, I've sat, played drums on the song, and then... Left, <laughs> you know, right, someone yeah, else and then did all the back left. end, right? Yeah. So the the artwork, I've never decided on artwork. The you know all of these kind of steps, I've never really done myself, even though I've played on tons and tons and tons of songs. Um, so it was really fun for me to do that, and that's kind of one of those things of you know it's it's fun. So I think that if you are already a creative, whether you're mixing for a living or whatever. Um, that kind of passion project of mine of just putting out solo drum stuff was like definitely time well spent, even though I have made zero money from it. Right. And that has done me really nothing in the term of like moving my business forward. It's like the thing I look back on and say, you know what? The like 1300 people that have streamed that on Spotify. That's great. If it was only for them. Great. Right. (laughs) And that and that keeps you inspired and motivated to do other things. I mean, you need to do those types of projects to keep keep the juices kind of flowing and to get away from it's just not the business side and I got to make money. I got to do something for fun, yeah. take a break from this, 
And then, then I'm going to go back and do those other things that I know I need to Absolutely. do. Absolutely. Right? Well, yeah. I really do appreciate you so much coming on the podcast. So anyone, again, that wants to check out what Tim does, go to the show notes below. All the links will be there. If you want to learn Ableton, like I said before, go there and get that course. You'll, it's, it's money well spent, and you'll learn a hell of a lot more than I could even teach you about Ableton in a short amount of time. And I also think um, we were talking about you giving us some maybe some drum stems of some of those instrumentals that you were talking about. So maybe we can do like a live mixing drums master class. Yeah, or something be cool. would be a lot of fun too so stay tuned for that um and tim thanks so much for coming on i do really thanks appreciate you taking me. the time and if you guys need to know about tim go click the links below check him out and we will uh talk to everybody next week on the home recording made easy podcast absolutely thanks for having me thank you thank you